Before we preach today, I want to stop and pray again. We have, we've all been watching the news, and we've all had our hearts broken by the events that have been happening in our world. And um, we are, uh, God's people should always, when they see things like this, humble themselves and seek God's face and confess our sin and examine our hearts. And this is what we should do as a nation. So join me in prayer right now. Father in heaven, when we see the terrible carnage on the television and broadcast was from the Afghanistan, our hearts are just are broken. We know that there are precious people that live all over that country that live in it. It's a very difficult, uh, hard, very difficult hardship. And, and we know among them are even brothers and sisters in Christ and people who are precious to you and, and our own uh, soldiers and Marines and service people. And I pray today for the families of those who perished and help us to help us to be sober and humble before God, even as a nation, and to examine our hearts and examine our obedience to you and the covenants and promises that we've made and the things that we've done uh, that have grieved your heart. And Lord, I pray that you would give us a sober, uh, repentant heart as a nation and return to your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are in a series of messages called Between the Fires in which we're talking about how to keep the fire of your faith burning all of your life. And we are almost at the end of this series and the end of the summer. We took a trip to Mexico in a number of years ago as a family and we were ministering in Mexico when we, we arrived at a huge orphanage where there were 2,000 boys in this orphanage. And the leader of our group did something that I call Lucy's football. You know what that is? Lucy's football. You ever watch the Peanuts where Lucy is always going to hold the ball for Charlie Brown? And then what happens? She always pulls it away. But he is so sincere that year after year he tries to kick it again and she pulls it away. The leader of our group had a little rhetorical device that he used that I call Lucy's football. He asked a question that only he knows the right answer to. And then when you try to answer, he pulls the football away and you fall on your proverbial back. So he did this in this orphanage. He got up and he said, there is an activity in the Bible that God has promised that he will bless if you do it. And the interpreter said that to the boys in Spanish. He said, there is an activity that God has promised that if you do it, he will bless you with genuine success. And he said, who can tell me what that activity is? He said, wait a minute, let's do it this way. I have a $20 bill. And he said, I'm going to give this $20 bill to the boy that can tell me what is this activity that God has promised that if you do it, he will bless you with true success. And there were 2,000 boys. You remember this? All across that place is like a huge uh, orphanage with, a, with like a, a huge shelter house. And all these boys were sitting in little perfect rows, and they were so eager to get that $20 that they began to raise their hand, and they began to jabber little answers, and they were always wrong. You know, Lucy's football. No, that's a good answer, but that's not right. And then after a while, he said, well, let's, let's add some more money to this, and let me give you $50 if you can tell me what is that activity that God in his word repeatedly has promised that if you do it, he will bless it. What is, I'll give you $50 if you can tell me what is that activity that God has promised to bless. And then they really were frantic, and they began to line up. Now, the, the leader was out of money. If you guys recall, he started to turn around to the group, and he started to take an offering from among the group. 
young people were volunteer missionary kids, but he was taking two or three dollars here and two or three dollars there, and he got his little kitty up to a hundred, <laughs> up to a hundred dollars. And then you, you should have seen the boys; they were just lined up. And there was these little guys were so eager to win that one hundred dollars. Can anybody tell me what is that activity? That God has promised to bless, because if you can tell me what God has promised to bless with genuine success in the Bible, then that boy is going to get $100 today. And they were just vibrating with enthusiasm, and they were guessing every imaginable God-Jesus Bible word they could think of. You know, prayer, well, no, that's a good thing, but no, but memorizing the Bible, no, no, that's a good thing, and, and you can't do this without that. But reading the Bible, no, no, that's a good thing. And, and they were all... Well, he was pulling the football away every time, and they never did. And he finally brought up a leader, and he said, he gave that money to her, and he said, the first boy here that memorizes the Sermon on the Mount, you want, you give him this one, you want to give him this $100. Today, I have, uh, Eddie Beasley has $100. Um, no, I'm just kidding. He doesn't. <laughs> well, he does, I'm sure. Do you have a $100 bill I can borrow, Eddie, on you? No. It, it, let's pretend that Eddie does. Well, no, we're not going to play Lucy's football. You, you're more sophisticated than that. Why don't I just show you in the Bible, what is that activity that God has promised to bless with genuine success? And this will be one of the things that will keep your fire burning all your life. you find it throughout the Scripture, but a very clear and beautiful place is in uh, Psalm 1. Listen to see if you can hear it. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the uh, wicked, or stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of scoffers. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Hint, hint, there it is. That's the secret. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and all that he does prospers. There's a, a, a promise of genuine success, genuine prosperity to the person who meditates day and night on the Scriptures. But the wicked are not so, verse 4. They're like the chaff the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish what is that one activity that God promises in this passage to bless? It is meditating on the law of God day and night. Now, this isn't the only place in the Bible that says that. In John 15, 7, Jesus said, if, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, this is a reference to this meditating on God's truth. Joshua, when he was commissioned to go in with a commission from the Lord in Joshua 1, 7 and 8. It's very, it sounds like almost the same wording that was given to Joshua. Be strong. Be very courageous. Be careful to do according to the law of Moses, my servant. And don't turn from the right hand or, or to the right hand or to the left. That you may have good success in whatever you do. The, this book of the law will not depart out of your mouth, but you'll meditate in it day and night. So you'll be careful to do according to all that's written in it. Meditate and obey it. And then it says, then you will make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. It's similar to what Paul wrote to young Timothy, the pastor. He says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. And don't neglect the gift that you have, which is given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, devote yourself to them, so that everyone will see your progress. So 
when Joshua goes into the land, God says, meditate on my law and obey it, and I'll, and I'll give you genuine prosperity. When Paul commissions Timothy or exhort Timothy, study the word, teach the word. Everyone will see your evident progress as a result of that. When I was a young man, I had a, a difficult struggle with the thoughts that would come to my mind or the thoughts that I would entertain, in particular at night. And sometimes those thoughts, I would feel guilty and I would feel ashamed and I would be afraid of what those thoughts would lead to, immoral thoughts in my mind. I would be afraid of what they would lead to in my life. So one of the things that I did was I bought a radio. Uh, I was a beautiful radio with a beautiful speaker and, and when I would go to sleep at night, I would put this radio, I had this radio on my headboard and I would listen to a radio program from the local Christian radio station, WEEC, in Springfield, Ohio. At 10.30 at night, they had a program called Night Sounds, and a man named Chuck Wagner, it was a, it was a takeoff on Night Watch with Bill Pierce. They played quiet music to go to sleep at night, and I would listen to, they would read the scriptures, and they would play this music, and then sometimes I would drift off to sleep, and my thoughts would be pure. It was one of the ways that I had to try to think what, the kinds of things that God would want me to think, to meditate on the truth of God. And it helped me as a young man. This is what the scriptures say. The law of God, verse, uh, Psalm 37, 31 says, the law of God is in his heart and his steps do not slip. The man whose steps do not slip is the man who has, who's, who's meditating, who's thinking about God's truth, God's law. You, you can see this in Psalm 19 in a, in a beautiful way. You're familiar with this, aren't you? The law of the Lord, this is 19.7, Psalm 19.7. I'm just showing you over and over again that the Bible teaches that there's a special promise, a special blessing of genuine success attached to those who meditate on the law of God, assuming that they will obey it. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Notice the different ways the Bible is referred to here. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord, pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned in keeping them. There's great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults and listen David here, who wrote this psalm, is telling us a secret to keeping your life away from melting down in, in sin and error. Keep, me, keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. This is Psalm 19, 13. Then I'll be blameless. I'll be innocent of the great transgression. And then he says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This should be our prayer. God has promised that those of us who meditate on God's word, assuming that will inspire us to obey it, that there's a special blessing of genuine success attached to that. Think about that. And this is, I'm just proving it's all over the Bible. If you wanted to read on your own, read Psalm 19, read Psalm 119, and notice every promise in Psalm 119. I, I won't read all of them. Here, here's the, here are a few Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day, Psalm 119, 97. I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. I've not departed from the commandment of your lips, Job said. I've treasured your words in my mouth more than my food, Job said. He understood this. 
Psalm 112, 1 says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord and delights greatly in his commandments. And that's why, one of the reasons why I would listen to the radio on a good night to get truth in song and word in my mind, to meditate on God's law because I wanted a successful, I wanted a a genuinely prosperous life, a genuinely successful life. I wanted a happy marriage and a family. I wanted to follow God. Now, it's interesting, this. So what I want to talk about today, though, is it's not meditating on the law of God day and night. It's what I want to talk about is meditating on the law of God at night. just want to talk about that. So it's a very practical, very direct, simple thing. And in the heart of it, what I'm going to tell you is this. And that is what you think about when you go to sleep at night, in the, in the night, what you think about at night will have a profound effect on what you do in the daytime. What you think about at night will have a profound effect on the rest of your life. And the scriptures, I'm going to show you in the Bible, but understand that God often spoke to people. God often communicated to people in the night. And um, for example, God warns Abimelech. Remember, he takes uh, Sarah into his harem. God says, uh, warns Abimelech in a night dream in Genesis 20. Remember Jacob's Bethel experience. It was at night. God communicated to Laban in a dream at night in Genesis 31. Jacob wrestled with an angel at night. God spoke to Samuel. You remember that? Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. He spoke to Samuel at night. Daniel got the meaning of the dream in the night, and God communicated to Nebuchadnezzar in the night, and God communicated with King Ahasuerus at night in Esther. Remember that story? Peter was visited by an angel at night in the prison. Paul's vision of Macedonia was was in the night in Acts 16. God encouraged Paul in the night again in, it's re, in Corinth. It's recorded in Acts 18. Of course, we know that Joseph, uh, the stepfather of Jesus, if you will, in Matthew 1 and in, in Matthew 2, God communicated with him in, in the night. And then frequently in the Psalms, stay with me on this because I think this is extremely practical and helpful. It's been really helpful to me for a number of years. In the Psalms of David, it, he frequently mentions, like the one that we read today already, God, David frequently mentions his meditation on the law of God at night. We know that David didn't always meditate on the law of God at night. We know that David's darkest hour is when he failed to meditate on the law of God at night. Psalm 63, which we already read, my soul will be satisfied as with marrow and fatness and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you on my bed and when I meditate on you in the night watches. So we're going to talk a little bit, I'm going to show you this in the scripture in more places and, and, and the idea would be that you would consider thoughtfully, not meditating on the law of God day and night, but especially on meditating on the law of God at night and the power of that in your life. There are many places in the Bible, in the Psalms, that refer to a desire or a delight in God on our bed at night or like turning our bed into an altar of worship. Listen to this, Psalm 16, 7. Bless bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. Psalm 17, 3. You've tried my heart and you have visited me in the night. Do Do you ever go to sleep at night and just say, Lord... I welcome you to invade my thoughts and my dreams tonight. Psalm 42 and 8. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer of God in my life. 
Psalm 77 says, I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. And then my spirit made a diligent search. Again, Psalm 119, I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and I keep your law. Over and over again, the scriptures teach this. Verse, Psalm 119, verse 62, at midnight, I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. One of our older members came to visit with me one day and told me he wakes up in the night. He said to me that his sweetest times with the Lord are when he wakes up in the night and can't go to sleep, and he just opens his Bible, and God speaks to him. He has an affectional love for God. And he meets with the Lord in the night sometimes. Never occur to you, maybe the Lord is going to wake, wake you up in the night, and he would, love your, he would love to speak to you. He would love for you to speak to him or listen to him. Psalm 4 and verse 4, be angry and don't sin. And you know this is carried over into, into Ephesians. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Psalm 63, we read already, I remember you on my bed, meditate on you in the watches of the night. Psalm 77, in the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying, and my soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan and I meditate, and my spirit faints at night. Isaiah 26, 9, my soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. And then in Isaiah 30 and verse 29, you shall have a song as in the night in the Holy Feast. It's just common in the Bible for God to speak, to minister to people in the night. It's, it's a coveted thing. In the Psalms regularly in the night, David talks about it and the other psalmists refer to it. It's pretty common in Scripture. I've already demonstrated that. So, med But here's why this is very powerful and why I want to talk to you about it when it's a practical thing. Even if you're a, a child, you can understand this. A young person, if you practice this from childhood, from your youth, God promised his favor on your life. God promises blessing on your life because your life is going to depend on the way your mind thinks about this world. And many, many people and many, many uh, different entities are going to try to get you to think wrong thoughts about the world you're going to grow up in. But if you will take the Bible, God's Word, and you'll meditate on it day and night, if you go to sleep tumbling over just a passage, just a phrase of Scripture in your mind, and day after day as you do that, God's promised genuine success. Now, meditation on God's Word works this way because it displaces so many other things that can be in our minds. Our minds are always busy with other things, right? Think about the stuff that's in your mind, or maybe don't. Some of it's empty, and... I made a little list of seven things that you could think about at night. I'll read them fast, then go back through them a, a bit. You could be angry, hurt, or bitter at night. You could, have ang you could entertain angry, hurt, or bitter thoughts at night. Who hasn't had the temptation to meditate on your hurts and injustices as you go to sleep at night? You can have guilty thoughts at night. And when you're burdened on your chest over the things that you, where you sin, or you can have covetous thoughts. You can just think about the things you can get. And you can have anxious or fearful thoughts at night. Many do. You can have lustful thoughts at night. And that's what I was referring to earlier. You can have just empty thoughts. You can have sorrowful thoughts. Let's go back over that. And what I'm suggesting practically, there's a lot of different ways you can meditate on Scripture. How many of you have a Bible app on your phone? The YouVersion Bible app is free. It's really an advanced, really good app that reads the Bible to you out loud. It's a beautiful app. 
the U version. You can download it right now. We have free high-speed internet right here, right now. You don't even have to put a password in. Right now, you can look up, go ahead while I'm talking, you can look up if you want to, uh, U version and download the app right now. You can do that, try to break our internet. And, uh, and you could, and then through the, you know, through your, you could always, you can mark a passage that's meaningful to you, and you can say, this is my verse for the week. No, I, have a, I have some verses this week. This is a trustworthy statement and worthy of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief, but God showed his mercy to me that me, as the chief of sinners, would be an example to those who would believe unto the king immortal, invisible, the God who alone is wise, be honor, glory, dominion, and power forever. Amen. I've been tumbling that over in my heart this week. You could just take a shorter passage, just a little phrase. You lay down at night, you can't remember a long passage. My dad wouldn't mind me telling you that he is often troubled with, with worry. He's a, he's a kind of a, he's kind of a uh, very responsible guy. And I, I remember him telling me as a boy, sometimes I go to bed and I just tumble over in my mind this, this phrase, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Casting all your care upon him, or he cares for you. When I was a young man, I used to walk through, now there's just so many places to be tempted. I used to walk through the checkout, and there'd be magazines that, that I'd be tempted to look at, and I remember I would look up, and I would say, I keep under my body and bring it in subjection, lest that by any means, after I've preached to others, I myself should become a castaway. God, keep my mind and my act, actions pure. If you have whatever it is that's going on in your life, there's a beautiful passage of Scripture that you could take a little short piece of it and let's tumble that over in your mind. You could write it on a card, put it in your pocket, carry that around all week. When you have a moment, you can just look at that or look at your phone. Uh, you can save it as a desktop thing or whatever. And, that, and you, could just, you, you don't have to read a huge bunch of Scripture, as wonderful as it is to do that, and there are times to do that. You could just have a little phrase that you tumble over all week that, by the way, is how I pray for you. I pray for you by name, and I usually pick one thing that I pray that week for you, all of you. I just think of one thing, and I pray that thing for you, and maybe this is a way you can pray for the ones that you love. The Bible says, know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself, so commune with your heart in your bed, Psalm 4, 3. When you meditate on Scripture, then you're displacing any angry or hurt or bitter thoughts. You can't Think angry, hurt, bitter thoughts at the same time that you're meditating on a scripture about forgiveness. That's why Psalm, uh, I'm sorry, Isaiah, I'm sorry, Ephesians 4.29 says famously, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. If you see where that came from, it's from the Psalms, and the context is what you're meditating on when you go to bed at night is important. How many nights have you gone to bed meditating on the people who hurt you? The things that people did to people you love? That will poison your spirit. That will poison your heart. But how can you not, when that's such a big thing, you displace it. You push it out with something higher, something holier, something sweeter. God's word. Or, or you feel guilty. David must have felt so powerfully guilty. And he wrote in these penitent psalms, Psalm 32, Psalm 51, other penitent psalms, these, these, these uh, poignant psalms of confession and repentance. And can I stop and just say, what you do with your guilty thoughts is a huge part of your success in life. So you, God confronts you sometimes in the night with your sin. 
when you go to sleep at night or when you, get, when you go to go to bed at night, sometimes if your heart is tender to the Lord and if your heart is open to the Lord, that's when he'll remind you of a hasty word or a careless word or, or a, an angry word or, or an impurity or, un, or unkindness or some wrong thing that you did. And what do you do then? So you can confess that, but then tumble over penitent psalms in your mind as you just even pieces of them. And then you can displace angry, hurt, bitter thoughts, displace guilty thoughts, third, displace covetous thoughts. These notes are online, by the way, at BethelJackson.org if you want to look back on them. Woe to those, Micah says in Micah 2.1, woe to those who devise wicked wickedness and work evil in their beds. In the morning gods, they perform it because it's in the power of their hand. Did you ever ride around on your lawnmower thinking about what you're going to say to that person? You just thought, I thought I just said that. And then you're riding around your lawnmower going, yeah, that's what I, I would say that. That's what I, and then you go and say that. And you're like, I wasn't going to say that. I was just thinking about saying that. But you think about, you say, are you with me on this? Anybody? You, you, you think about it, but you go, I'm not going to do this or say this. I'm just going to indulge in thinking about it a little bit. And then all of a sudden, what you were thinking about, it's almost like you dress rehearsal, and then, boop, there it came out. Because it was the meditation of your heart. So it, our behavior would change if the meditation of our heart changes. That's what the script, it's very simple. So the covetous one is, is thinking about things, things, things. That's all he's thinking about when he's going to sleep at night. And what happens in the morning? He does those greedy things. Or you can, number four, replace anxious and fearful thoughts with the Word of God. Psalm 91 Five, first part, thou shalt be afraid for the terror by night. Yeah, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hands, you know you have this problem, or you know someone who has night terrors. One of our boys had night terrors, and, and I found a song for him, a beautiful uh, song, an evening prayer, and had him play this song over and over again. His night terrors went away. But, but today, as an adult man, he's a police officer, and he sees terrible, terrible things. And so still today, he will struggle with terrifying thoughts. And maybe that's true with you too. And Satan loves to get to, to, to have you fear and put terrifying thoughts. Have you ever thought, find passages in the scripture about fear. Memorize, meditate on those. Even just write down a little phrase and tumble it over in your mind. And whenever you fear, memorize scriptures or don't even try to memorize them just tumble them over in your mind and after a while will be a part of your heart and the way that you think what if god is saying i i'm trying to motivate you to get in my word because it'll be good for you the rest of your life i'm allowing this to happen to you so that you will get in my word meditate on my word what if you could overcome that it's possible and then five so we have angry thoughts angry hurt bitter thoughts guilty thoughts covetous thoughts anxious fearful thoughts lustful thoughts the Proverbs, you know, personifies this young man who's being led off. In Proverbs, it's uh, women seducing young men. Of course, if the Proverbs was written to girls, it would be young men seducing, you get it, women. But it's written that way. Look at this foolish young man who's going off in, in, in his folly. Genesis in 6 and verse 5 says, The, 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 the very imagines, imaginations of their heart was only evil continually. It was in the night that David rose from his bed and sinned. In 2 Samuel 11, 2, and from 2 Samuel 11, everything is downward after that in David's life. When I was 14 years old, kind of awakening sexually, the lady next door dressed in front of the window. 
So that was in my mind and troubled me for a long time. I was confused. I'm telling you more about me than you want to know, I'm sure. So I'll hasten on. But I was confused by that and troubled by that and, and interested in that. And, and so now I had to figure out ways in order to have things in my mind besides that shocking thing that I saw in the night. But I have discovered in my life that God has helped me by using the Bible to memorize scriptures and, and scriptures that I have in my mind that I can speak to myself over and over again. There is power in meditating on what is true when you have lustful thoughts. And then there are empty thoughts. And one of the things I listened to on the radio when I was a boy, I lived in Ohio, so you'll have to forgive me. Um, it wasn't me. My parents made me live there. Um, <laughs> Uh, lived in Ohio, and, and uh, I listened to the Reds on the radio. It was in the 70s when they had quite a baseball team at Riverfront. And, and often they would play on the West Coast, and I would listen in the night. I would turn my radio and listen to the, the Cincinnati Reds. And I can still tell you all the names of all the players. I can tell you their positions. I can remember things that they did. I can remember words that they said. It wasn't sin, but it was a little empty. It wasn't wrong. Is it wrong for a boy to listen to a baseball game? Of course it's not. Of course it's not. It's not wrong to watch a football game. If you watch a football game on a Saturday, it's not a sin. If you watch seven of them, there might be some excess in that. Um, but we won't, be, we won't belabor that um, for reasons that should be really obvious. And, but uh, I wonder when I think back on that, if, if those hours that I spent listening to the Reds on the radio, what if I had even more consistently memorized passages of scripture. What if I, what if I, I, honestly, to be honest with you right now, I will say this, I don't think there was sin in it, but I really wish that I had studied the Bible even more, that I'd memorized the scriptures even more, because there's such a powerful promise attached to meditating on scripture and obeying it. And, and there's something to think about. You could go through your life and think, how often do I think about things that really aren't bad, but they're just empty? They're really not bad, but they're not best. They're really not bad, but there's a better thing. And I don't mean to put an inordinate burden of guilt on you because I do believe that God wants us to have delights like baseball in our lives and joyful things that are simple and recreational. That's not, the scriptures aren't against that. You know, Paul talks about running races. It's not, it's not a scandal that he ran races or, or played sports. It's, there are many, many good things about that, the self-discipline, the teamwork, and all of that. Very, very good thing. But I wonder sometimes, you know, they say when a man gets drafted into the or a girl that gets drafted into the NFL, the NFL stands for not for long. And I noticed a, a hero of mine got his knee blown out yesterday. His second season in the pros, just a phenomenal, outstanding young man. The knee's gone. He may never play again. Not for long. What if we thought about our lives and says, God, show me what is not for long and show me what will never die, then maybe we would think less about empty things on our bed at night. And then, of course, sometimes, and by the way, listen to this beautiful passage. This is from Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Finally, brothers, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, anything worthy of praise, what's the next phrase? Think about these things. Meditate on these things. Think God's thoughts after him. Think good thoughts that you can 
affect the way your life goes by the way, and, and even people who don't know the Lord know that the way you think affects your life in a powerful way. And then sometimes our hearts are crushed with sorrow. And maybe that's true with you. And sorrow comes to your bed at night, comes into your night thoughts, your, your, your broken heart. This is true in the Psalms. Listen to Psalm 77. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he, he'll hear me in the day of my trouble. I seek the Lord in the night. My hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan, meditate. My spirit faints. Selah, you hold my eyes open. I'm so troubled I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Do you hear that angst? Don't you feel that sometimes when you're overwhelmed with sorrow? But God's truth, meditating God's truth can push the sorrowful thoughts out of your heart. What am I saying? What you think about when you go to bed at night can have a profound effect on the rest of your life. Simple thing. So that's why when I was a boy, sometimes I would listen to the radio before I went to sleep at night. So I'd have God's thoughts in my mind. I met Lois at Bible college. I asked her out the first time I saw her. She said no. Pretty resolutely. I was persistent, obviously. She said, I can't go out with you because, my, because I don't know you. And I'm like, that's why you go out, to get to know people. She says, yeah, but my mom, she was pretty smart. She was at college, you know. She said, my mom wouldn't want me to go out with somebody I don't know, you know, all the way from campus. And that was my window. I said, well, we'll we can meet on campus. I know that'll be cheaper anyway, right? We can meet on campus, I said. And she goes, I don't know. I didn't realize that was going to be my life. I don't know. <laughs> so she says, I don't know about that. Um, I said, well, you don't have to decide now because Monday or, or tomorrow night at 530, I'll just be waiting at the door of the cafeteria. And if you show up, we'll eat together. I figured the girls got to either eat with me or not eat. And so what I didn't anticipate was there she was, she came around the corner with a posse of girls. <laughs> she wasn't alone. I'm like, what does this mean? She had, she was uh, like professional at keeping me on my toes. And she just walked up and she literally just walked right past. Do you remember this? You rascal. She just walked right past me, like kind of acknowledged me, but just walked right past. And I was like, kind of like, that's the story of my life right there. <laughs> Eight kids later, 18 grandkids later. Took her out. Finally, I won her confidence, and I took her to Wendy's and to putt-putt golf. She beat me really bad, badly. I just had three holes in one. I was so distracted. Because, I mean, I was better than her, right? But I was so distracted. <laughs> she would dispute that right now. One night, we had been dating a few, maybe a couple weeks or two or three weeks. And it was an autumn night, and we were up on the north end of the campus, and uh, we were walking. And I've never been shy, and so I thought, I'm going to test the waters a little bit here. And I'll never forget it. We, were up, we turned north on the north end of the campus. We turned to walk along by the field house, and the, it was an October night. And the leaves were blown down, and I said to her, because it's a Bible college, right? I said to her, did you kind of always think you would marry a pastor? Was that subtle or what? And she immediately says, No. <laughs> and I was like shot with a gun. I'm like, oh, 
cool. Okay, like, what do you say after that? I literally was silent, which is, like, super rare. And so I was just like, uh. And we walked along for a minute, and then she spoke next, and here's what she said. Never really thought about being a pastor's wife. But when I was a girl, I laid in my bed at night, and I listened to the radio. And there was this pastor on the radio that had a home for troubled girls. And I always kind of thought maybe it would be good to help troubled girls. And then I said, that's what pastor's wives do. And the rest is really a happy story. I believe with all my heart that God in his heaven looked down in my bed when I was struggling to have pure thoughts and follow him. And he saw my heart that I wanted to meditate on his word. And in another state, miles and miles away, a girl was laying in her bed, and she also was listening to Christian radio. And God saw her heart, what she wanted. He put us together. And I believe for you, and I thought about you all this week, I believe for you, God has things for you you can't even imagine. He has things for you that you can't even imagine. His idea of success and yours are probably different. His is better. You'll be glad you followed him when we get to the end and we see the final score. And so what you think about in the night will have an effect on what you do in the morning. I'd like to ask you to stand and we're gonna be dismissed with a benediction. Would you stand? We, all want, we want to send you on your way with a blessing. Eddie, would you come? Were you just going to be shy and hang out there? Or come on up here. Yeah. We, we, want you to, we want you to have the Word of God. And, and one of our men not long ago read a book about the Word of God and the public reading of the Word of God. And we were talking about that. And we decided to incorporate, like slow down and incorporate the public reading of the Word of God in every one of our services. And um, Leo... How do you like our swift action on your favorite song there? Was that good? So Leo and I had dinner this week, had lunch this week. He requested a song. You sang it. I'm like, there's something going on here. He gets his way fast on those songs. I don't know how that happened. It, Leo, Leo said one time he was talking about the, the, the blessing, the benediction. And anyway, we've incorporated these, th- or incorporated these things in the service. We want you to go on your way with a blessing. And Eddie's going to bless you. But can I just one more time say... Would you consider the idea, even a child, a young person, a teenager, a woman, a man, consider this idea. Pick a passage, a small passage. Tumble it over in your heart all week long, especially at night before you go to sleep. Let that be your last waking thought. See what God does.